right, so that'll give you a little taste of what's going to be happening on that end. Hey, I want to tell you a story, uh, a little uh, little joke here. Are you ready for a little laughter? Huh? You need a, need a little pick-me-up today? Uh, a little girl was talking to her teacher about whales, you know, the big fish kind of whales. And the teacher said it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because the throat is too small. A little girl uh, stated that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And the teacher again repeated, well, it's impossible, you know, and she was a little irritated with the little girl. And so the little girl just looked at the teacher and said, well, when I get to heaven, I will just ask Jonah. The teacher said, what if Jonah went to hell? Then you ask him. Church bulletins are a lot of fun. You know, uh, we don't really sometimes proofread things very well. And, and, you know, sometimes things get stated that are really funny later. Uh, here's just a couple of uh, uh, real-life bulletins. Uh, the fasting and prayer conference includes meals. <laughs> the sermon in the morning was Jesus walks on the water. Uh, tonight, uh, it'll be searching for Jesus. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, maybe you don't. How about this one? Don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. (laughs) You know, the Bible says that laughter is medicine to the soul. And in every situation in life, there's always something that's a little bit funny and a little bit uh, ways to find joy in your life. I love watching people. How many of you love watching people? You like, like to people watch? I like to just watch what people do. I, I love to, uh, to sit in a restaurant and just kind of watch people. My wife and I were out uh, this past week, and we, we went into a restaurant and just sat there. And after we talked a little bit, we noticed uh, a couple, and they were uh, both on their phones, and neither one of them were talking. Neither eyes went up the whole time. In fact, even when they ate, they had a fork in one hand and an iPhone in the other phone, hand, and they are just kind of eating eating like this, and you, you kind of look around, you just kind of get to laughing about people and what people do. I want you to think about this guy that we're talking about today, Noah. We've been preaching through, teaching through the book of Genesis, and we come to the sixth chapter now where, where God is giving him instructions on the building of this, of this big ship, this ark. And as he does, I want you to think about what must have been going on in his mind and what the people watching must have been like in his day. I'm sure that Noah had a lot of plans. Noah was probably thinking about his retirement. He'd already kind of settled into the community. You know, things were going probably pretty well for him until God showed up. Sometimes it feels like that. God shows up in your life and you thought everything was fine and then he, sh- he rattles your world a little bit and you begin to look at life differently. And that's what happened to Noah. He had to look at life differently because God showed up and said, I've got something for you to do. And I'm sure that he gave the standard arguments that you and I give. Well, you know, God, I'm really busy right now. And maybe when I get a little bit older or get a little bit, maybe when I retire, maybe when I get a little bit more time, I'll be glad to build this great ark that you have in your mind. But somehow God was able to reinforce in him the urgency of the moment. He was obedient to God. He did what God told him to do. But imagine the people watching that must have been going on. Here's Noah. Everybody else is watching going, this is crazy Noah. You know they had to say it. I mean, if your neighbors, imagine your neighbors begin to build a ship 450 feet long in your front yard. Right? He said, well, my yard's not that big. 
Exactly. Imagine what's going on, the ridicule, the things that are happening there. Well, I want to say, I want to take you into Genesis 6. We're going to introduce it to you. And we really believe that, that there's some real powerful truths that are going to come out of this section. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. We're just going to read three verses. Bible says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. You're probably saying, what's a cubit, right? It's about 18 inches. The width, 50 cubits. The height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door in the ark uh, in its side, and you shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Now, when I look at that, I'm thinking, you know, there's not a lot of detail there. But there's a lot of personal initiative that's necessary, right? Make yourself an ark. I want you to think about that thought for a moment, that every one of us need a place of protection with God. We have to make ourselves an ark. Your household should be an ark of protection. It should be a safe place where God shows up, God watches over, God cares for you, and you are secure in that place. God says, I'm not going to give you all the details on how to do that. I want you to put me first. If you put me first, you're going to understand a lot about how to live out your life. Make yourself an ark. You're going to have a door in it. You're going to have a window in it. One window, one door, one God. It's kind of the principle you're going to see as we think about salvation, as we think about this guy named uh, Jonah, Jonah, Noah. I get them mixed up here. But uh, think about this, one God. Was there going to be any doubt in Noah's mind that there was only one God? This God who spoke to him, this God who directed him, this God who was leading him would be the God who was going to bring this, this flood upon the earth. If he didn't understand it before, he certainly understood it in the midst of that storm. That's when we come to know God. Have you ever noticed that? When we go through the storm, we know that there's one God, and we call on that God. I had a good friend uh, who's an atheist. Um, he was an atheist, and he, 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 he had this tendency, whenever things went wrong, to pray. I said, you're like the worst, worst atheist I know on planet Earth. Why do you only pray when things are going bad? He said, well, you know, you, just, you, know, you don't want to, just in case... I said, seriously, you are, you are a bad atheist. You should never tell anybody you're an atheist. You should just shut up about the whole subject. The way we met one day was uh, he was a law student, and he told me he didn't believe the Bible. Didn't believe the Bible at all. And I said, okay, then we have nothing to talk about. He said, what do you mean we have nothing to talk about? I said, there's nothing to talk about. I believe the Bible. You don't believe the Bible. Why should we even have a discussion? I said, look, you're only going to be in hell like five seconds. You're going to know I'm right. Now, you can say that to friends, right? You're just going to be there. Hey, and I'm, I'm good with that. I'm going to be in heaven. We're all going to be good. You're going to get what you want. I'm going to get what I want. Everything's going to be fine. He said, well, I don't, didn't say I didn't believe some of the Bible. I said, which parts do you believe? You only believe the heaven part? You only, do you believe the salvation part? What do you believe? And I said, look, let's just, let's just be friends, and we just, I'll just understand you're going to hell, and I'm going to heaven. It so rattled him that he actually became a believer in Jesus Christ and now pastors a church. Transformation. 
I don't recommend that you tell all your friends to go to hell. Okay, did you get my point here? That's not what I'm trying to tell you. But it is funny that in crisis we find out one God. But also the other thing we're going to find out, we're going to find out there's only one way. You see, there was only one way into the ark. There was only one door. And they were going to have to use that one door to get into the ark for salvation, just like Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. One way. But also there had to be just one focus. You see, the, the interesting thing about the ark was there was only one window, and the, ar- and the window was at the top. Now, I know that we all have those little children's storybooks, you know, and the, the kid's got all the little windows going along the side of it, and the giraffe's got his head sticking out, and the monkey's hanging out, you know, and all that kind of stuff, looking fun and cool and all that. Well, that's not what it says in the Bible. It says there's one window that was on the top. You see, God didn't want... Noah, looking around at the world and the destruction, he wanted, I want your eyes on me all the time. You have to have one focus, and the focus has to be on God. Remember Peter the apostle, he's in the boat, and he sees Jesus walking on the water, and what does he do? He is just so quick to jump and do whatever. He jumps out of the boat, he starts walking on the water, and as he's watching Jesus, then it says he looked in at the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. He took his eyes off God. You have to have this understanding, one God, one way, one focus in your life. Now, I was talking with someone this week, and they said, you know, how in the world could he get all those animals in that ark? I don't know, because when we had a dog, I couldn't even get the dog in the house from the backyard. You know what I'm talking about? God was working a miracle. Well, then, then the question came up, well, could he really get two of everything in there? Well, I don't know how many species there were at that time. I don't know what all the process was, but let me give you an idea of how big it was. It was 450 feet long. It was 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. So it was, imagine height-wise, it was a four-and-a-half-story building. If you do the calculations on that, it's uh, 1,400,000 cubic feet. That's the equivalent of 522 livestock cars, and you can put 240 sheep in one car. You get an idea on how big this thing is? The deck on it would be the size of 36 tennis courts. It was a big, big ship. The interesting thing about it is the dimensions of it line up with the way that they build ships even today. British civil and mechanical engineer uh, Isambard uh, Kingdom, uh, Brunel, built a steamship called the Great Britain in 1843 that had almost the same proportions as the Ark, although it was a little smaller, and it was regarded as a remarkable feat of Victorian and maritime engineering because of its proportions. Isn't that interesting? You see, ships have to be built on a certain distance and length in order to either span or fall between the waves that are in oceans. That was an interesting side. But you see, the real point here is not, you know, how many animals can we get in and what happened there, but this idea of a place of refuge. The ark was a place of refuge. Now, here's the, here's the thing. When we're going to live in refuge, when we're going we're to find a safe place, how do we do it? Can I give you a suggestion? How about this one? Live in denial. How many of you like denial? Raise your hand. Come on. Okay, you've got to help me on this one. All right, are you ready? Repeat after me. I like to live in denial. 
Now, let me show you how this works. So I'm going to give you a little bit better, better perspective on that than maybe you've had before. Uh, I believe it's the secret to encouragement. When the, when the enemy brings an accusation against you, I want you to stamp on that request denied. I'm going to live in denial. I'm not going to let circumstances, the enemy, anyone else bring me down. I'm going to live in that kind of a denial. You see, sometimes we go through life and we just feel guilty, don't even know why. We feel shame, we don't even know why. We're discouraged, we don't know why. What we want to do is be reminded what the Scripture says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. Look with, uh, with me together at this Scripture. The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from most sin. Is that what it says? What's it say? All sin. All sin. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And look what it says there. If you define it, it's each and every, any, all, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. That's what that word means. Well, what about the big ones? Yep. What about the small ones? Yep. What about the ones that are in my heart? Yep. You see, all sin means all sin. So you can stamp requests denied. You can live in denial because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And as you understand that, it's all about trust God. You see, we have to trust God in our life. Your first thought each day should be the reality of God's kingdom. When you wake up, the first thing you say is not, oh, I've got so much to do, or I can't believe the alarm went off this early, is you say, God, well, let, me, let me just think about your kingdom for a moment. What have you got planned for me? What in the kingdom can I understand today that my life might be rich and full? Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 23 says this, the Lord's mercies, uh, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. You know why? You know why you're still around? Because God's merciful. If you were God, what would you do with you? Would you ever get frustrated with you if you were God? Would you ever just kind of wipe you off the map if you were God? I'm telling you what, if, if I'm, I'm looking at God, I'm going, God, I thank you, your mercies are every day. Every day, God, every day your mercies are new. Now, here's what's really interesting. They are new, and that word new is like grain. You know, like, like a little grain of corn, a little grain of wheat. Because you see, every one of his mercies are like a seed, that has an explosive power to reproduce a hundredfold. When you get the mercy of God, just think about that little mercy is like a seed. It's new every day. It's going to birth forth. It's going to bring forth a not, not just 30-fold, 40-fold, 100-fold. It's going to bring forth multiplied efforts in your life. You're going to see more and more of the mercy of God because they're new every, every morning. I like what Bill Johnson wrote. He said this, Why does worry shout so loudly for our attention? Why does it shout so loudly for our attention? You ever notice that? You ever notice when worry comes, it just comes loud and just, it's just kind of annoying? Just, you know, all the time, just annoying. Because if we look at it long enough, it will gain our trust. We get to trust worry. What are you worried about? I don't know. I just, just worried. And you begin to trust worry. Pretty soon we begin praying out of fear. Oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, God, I'm so worried. Oh, God, this calamity is coming. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Wait a minute. God never wanted you to be there. He wanted you to be on top of all of that stuff. 
He didn't want you praying out of fear. He wanted you praying out of confidence that he is a great God, an all-powerful God who can work miracles in your life. Amen? Would you, rather, would you rather pray out of fear or out of confidence? I think confidence always. He goes on to say, eventually we quit praying and we start looking for sympathy. You ever ask somebody how they're doing and then you're sorry you did? How you doing? And then they go on for like, you know, you, know, you get your eyes are getting glazed over. Oh, really? Oh, my, that's bad. I, yeah. And then before long, you're feeling like, I feel bad too. No, I'm worried, you know? Now I'm going home praying out of fear. And I, I got, you know, I'm looking for some sympathy. How you doing? I'm doing horrible. Why? Well, I talked to so-and-so and they're doing horrible. And, you know, and could you join me? I'm starting to get a community group going. We're going to have a community group of, of fear and worry and discouragement. We're all just going to get together and, you know, we'll have a little something to eat. And it won't taste very good. But, and then we'll finish that off. And then we'll then we'll pray out of fear and then we'll all go home afraid to drive home because we might get in a car wreck. I'm not too far from the truth. People live their life like that. If not consistently, they live like that once in a while. Eventually we quit praying. We start looking for sympathy. We have trusted that other voice and it won the affections of our heart. Wow. Let me show you the portal of God. One window, just one focus. You know what I noticed about that window? Couldn't be closed. You could close the door, but you couldn't close the window. There's only one way in, and there comes a point at which that door is closed and nobody else can get in. There comes a point at which salvation is not open. Because it's closed, it's too late. You've passed that point of, of receiving Christ because you've either, either grown cold in your heart and your heart or you've died and gone, you know, to be with him and, and meet him in judgment. But I love the window because it could not be closed. You see, it's open. The window is open. Because God wants us to understand we live under an open heaven where God is always communicating. God is always speaking. God wants you to understand. God wants you to hear. God wants you to see what he's up to. It's that thing about, about Peter walking on the water. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was good. He said, Noah, I'm going to have you uh, the window on the top. I don't want you to look into destruction. I don't want you looking at problems. I don't want you to look. If you just keep your eyes on me, I promise you everything else is going to work out for you. When you take your eyes off me, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. You know what normal Christianity is? It's where miracles are normal. I'm so encouraged. There's a couple of people I've invited uh, to, to pray with that need healing. Uh, they'll be here at the second service. And you know why I could be so confident inviting them? Because we've seen so many people healed. I think I told you just uh, two weeks ago we prayed for a girl and one of her eyes completely healed, completely healed now. Now we're going to pray the other one in. It's funny how people don't really know if they believe in miracles till they need one. If you need a miracle, where do you want to, you want to go to a church that says, uh, yeah, we don't really believe miracles are for today? Or do you want to go to a church that says, we're going to pray for a miracle? We're going to see a miracle in your life. We had a miracle happen this week. I can't tell you about it yet, but I hope to be able to tell you about it in about two weeks. It is a major, major answer to prayer, miracle, and I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really be exciting. Don't you love those kind of stories? <laughs> my wife does that to me all the time. She, my wife's watching our, our, our grandbabies today, uh, this weekend, and so uh, she's, she's out of town, but uh, she'll tell, she's, a, she's a great um, cliffhanger person. 
She'll call me. She said, you know, I just got to tell you this, but I can't tell you I don't have time. I said, no, do you do not hang up that phone. Well, you know, I just don't, I want to, I want to be with you. I want to tell you all. No, no. I want to know now. I want to know anything. Even if it's bad news, I want to know it now. I want to know it now. No, no. I, I love you. Bye. <laughs> cliffhanger, right? Cliffhanger. Well, I'm going to, I've set you up for a cliffhanger and hopefully it's going to be as good as you think it is. All right. Now, miracles are normal. Salvation, salvation and deliverance from problems and difficulties and challenges are normal. Revelation that comes from God, that becomes normal. You begin to hear from God and see the things of God. We want that to be normal. Prophetic insight into what God is doing, that should be normal. Words that God is speaking that gives you insight into knowledge, that should be a normal part of life. You see, that's what the Bible teaches. It teaches that Christianity is supposed to be supernatural. Not natural, supernatural. Supernatural. Above the norm. That's what Christianity is. Jesus didn't come and walk the earth and just kind of pull all the supernatural and say, now you figure everything out with your head. We have to move in the spirit. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to follow you. You know what the Bible is? It's a Bible. It's a story about a journey. It's your journey and every person's journey. How, how we don't know really where we're going sometimes with God. Have you ever really figured it all out? You know what it is? It's, it's me reaching out my hand to Jesus and then Jesus leading me. It's the journey. And along that journey is my story. And my story has all kinds of ebbs and flows and it has positives and negatives, you know, but all along, whether it's an up or a down moment, it's my story of my interaction with Jesus. And he's always holding my hand. And sometimes, you know, I feel like I've stumbled, you know, and I trip and I go and he says, come on, we're still on the journey. We're still going to go in the right direction. Proverbs says a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked fall in the day of calamity. In other words, if you just walk with Jesus, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, but guess what? He's got you by the hand. He's going to keep moving you down the road. He's going to take you to the place where you need to be, and ultimately you'll look back and go, wow, that is my story. Look what God did. Look what God did. You got to sometimes you got to stop long enough and say, let me just figure out what God has been doing in my life. He's probably been doing more than you think he has been doing, because if you get on that other path, praying out of fear, worry, discouragement, defeat, all that kind of stuff, you never see what God is doing because you're so consumed with you. Get consumed with Jesus. See what Jesus is up to. Amen. 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 Say it like you mean it. All right. Illumination. You see, you know what that window did? It brought light in. It brought illumination. We need the spirit to open our eyes because we can become oblivious to the presence of God. He surrounds us at all times. He's always speaking. He's always ready to move in our lives, in the lives of those whose heart is really willing. He is always ready to move. He's always ready to do something. We had some people come up, and, and they'd never been in our church, and they, we took them into the front uh, area there where the prayer wall is. You know that? I don't know if you've looked at that prayer wall lately, but you are doing a great job putting prayer requests in there. There are thousands and thousands of prayer requests in there, thousands of them. I mean, it's just getting so stacked up. There's one little area there. It must be the sweetest spot in the wall. You know what I mean? I mean, we need, some, we need some really tall people and some really short people to get out there and start stuffing some prayer requests in there because it's like right here. But there's one little section that's just in mass, just in mass. And this lady came in, and she, she looked at this uh, prayer wall, and she just began to weep. 
just began to weep. Last night I got a couple of texts from some people, would you put my name in the prayer wall? Came in this morning and our prayer team, are, they're in here and they're praying over this, over this worship center praying over that prayer wall. Then they move out into the, out in here to the loading dock area and they, they get, begin to pray out there. If you have a heart for prayer, you should be a part of our prayer ministry on one level or another. Let God begin to work in your heart. Let God begin to use you. The explanation of this church from day one has been nothing but prayer. It really is. There's no, there is no explanation for the miracles God has brought here except for prayer. Revelation. God wants to reveal things. God's a, God's a revealer. You know, he, he, he says, but I'm not going to make it easy for you. God never makes revelation easy. Did you know that? You see, God never, in, in, in the natural world, the, the most valuable things are the hardest to get. Gold isn't sitting around on the surface. Oil is deep in the ground. Diamonds are hidden away. Do you think that in the supernatural world, God is going to leave his best nuggets easy for you to find? No, no. He says, do you really have a heart to find me? Do you want to seek me out? If you do, I'm going to show you great and mighty things, but you're going to have to dig a little bit in the word. You're going to have to dig a little bit in your spirit. Let me quote again, Bill Johnson. The opening of the heart determines the level of revelation we receive. Few people I know receive substantial revelations or visitations of God without reckless pursuit. Most people I know who receive revelation cry out day and night for that fullness of the Holy Spirit. Casual prayer gets casual, casual revelation. This week I was just, I was thinking about this very subject and I was praying and I said, you know, God, I want to go deeper with you. I want to go deeper than I've ever gone before. I want, to, I want to know your spirit in greater ways. And I found myself so caught up. I, I wanted to go watch this movie. You ever want to just go watch a movie and the Holy Spirit stopped you? Now, I'm not saying anything wrong. I love movies, right? But I wanted to go watch this movie. I'd already seen it once, but I wanted to see it again, right? That movie about baseball, you know, Moneyball, have you seen that one? I wanted to go watch that movie so bad, and, and so finally I broke away from my Bible, and I said, I'm going to go watch that movie. And all the time the Holy Spirit said, don't you want to talk? And I said, well, not right now. I'd like to go watch the movie. Have you ever, I mean, I'm just being, trying to be honest with you. Have you ever been like that? I'd like to talk to you, but we've been talking for like two hours, and I think I'd like to watch a little Moneyball right now. I said, okay, you go over there. So I go over there. I, first, I go through my cable. I go to the little, you know, on-demand thing. It's not there. I put it in the search. Huh. Go to Netflix, you know, my Apple TV. Click it on there. Not there. Thinking this is a, the, uh, this is a setup. <laughs> so I said, I'll fix you. I'll fix you, Lord. I'm going to go on Amazon Prime. I put it in Amazon Prime. You can get every movie on there, right? Sorry, that movie is not available. After three times, I'm just thinking, you are stupid, Phil. Go back and talk to God. I said, I'm done with Moneyball. I don't even, want to, I don't even like that movie anymore. I'm going back to the Word of God. I'm going to see what God has to say to me through the Word of God because he's not letting me go down that road. You know, how many times has God got to stop you before you go, well, maybe I should rethink my plan? God wants to reveal some things to you, Amen. 
You know, we started uh, uh, prayer during the week here on Tuesdays, uh, a house of prayer where you can come in here. We have worship and prayer, and it's just been amazing what God has begun to do in that midst. I want to invite you to house of prayer this Tuesday. This Tuesday, we're going to pray on marriage and relationships in this church in Orange County. Do you realize that Orange County has the highest divorce rate of any place in the world? 70%. First-time marriages. You think we need to pray? You see, when, God, when the Spirit of God shows you an issue, you say, oh, I'm going to step up and pray. Come. We want you to come. You can come for 10 minutes. You can come for the whole hour and a half if you want. Worship goes on the whole time. It's not rock pile praying. You know what rock pile praying is? Eight people get in a room, and they're waiting for somebody to say something. Every one of us, you hear the hammer swing and the cr- rock cracks. You go, oh, I'm glad somebody finally prayed. See, in heaven, you know what's going on? It's always worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. It's going on simultaneously. So when you come into this prayer time, it's going to be worship going on continually, prayer jumping in there, worship going on, just like it is in Revelation 4 and 5. Great, great picture. Well, how am I going to do this? Okay, so what I want to do is I want to focus on God. Here's what it says, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Set your mind. You ever set your mind on something? My mind is made up. I'm following God. My mind is made up. I'm following God. I'm trusting God regardless what happens. And, oh, you know, just like, kind of like Noah, he's in the ark. And, and, man, that ark can go up and down and around and around. But he ain't going out because he set his mind. He made a decision. Set your mind on things above and not things on the earth. If I'm ever going to succeed with God, i got to set my mind. Say that with me. Set my mind. Let's say it again. Set my mind. I've got to get set on something because if I'm not set on that, I'm going to settle for something else. That's pretty good. If I don't set my mind on God, I'm going to settle for something else, and it's never going to be as good. How about Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or set on you because he trusts in you. How are you going to have perfect peace? you got to focus your mind on God. you got to set your mind on God. You get your mind set on anything else, circumstances, difficulties, problems, anything else, you're going to go up and down and you're going to go out because you're not going to have that stability. You see, there is always that unseen provision of God. God always provides for you before you have a problem. That's a principle in Scripture. You have a problem. You say, God, what am I going to do? He said, I've already got a provision for that. You just don't know it. I knew, I saw that problem coming, and I had a provision. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let me, let me reread that again, but I'm going to read it a little bit different. You see if I change it a little bit. God shall supply some of your needs. What's it say? What's it say? All. God said, God shall supply all of your needs if he wants to. Does it say that? You, you see, Scripture is so clear, and what we do is sometimes we read it. You know, have you ever proofread anything and just missed all kinds of words? I mean, if you're a proofreader, God bless you. You know, you've got an eye for detail, you know, and, you know, you can always tell somebody's a proofreader. You know how you do that? Let me show you. Let me show you on this board. Um, I'm going to spell the word um, through. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. 
Those of you who really have an idea for detail and kind of got a proofreading, the only thing you're going to see the rest of this message is this right here. This will drive you crazy. You say, why do you do that? Your eye can't get off of you. It's kind of like when you lose a filling. You ever lost a filling? Where's your tongue go? It's going to that missing filling. It just stays there. That hole is this big around. Then the dentist shows you, you know, and you can't even see it. No, no, I could put my whole tongue in it. I mean, I, I was maneuvering in there. That thing was giant, right? Well, you see, sometimes this is what happens with life. We miss out on what God's doing because we, we miss that God has said, my God shall supply all of your needs, not because you're worthy, not because you deserve it, not just some of them, not because it's a, he's feeling good about it. No, he says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, a rabbi wrote this. I don't know his name. It's unknown. It was a rabbi that was written years ago, but he was asked to read, he was asked to read this passage in Philippians. It says, how would you interpret that? How would you understand it? Here's what he said. God, out of his realm of glory and dominion, will release to his people ideas, concepts, creative things, witty inventions that will cause tremendous provision to come to them. I like that, don't you? Let me just say it again. Here's what he says. God, out of his realm of glory and dominion, will release... See, God wants to release to you, release to his people, ideas... Some of you are sitting there going, wow, I got an idea. What if I did that? That came from God. Concepts, creative things, witty inventions that will cause tremendous provisions to come to them. I love that. I love that. God is the creator. He made you as a creature so that you could be creative. And out of your creative ability comes creativity. And out of your creativity comes the blessings of God to people. You come up with ideas. You begin to see things from a different perspective. Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here's one. Life application number one. God always provides an ark of safety for the faithful. God always provides an ark of safety for the faithful. I look back when I was first saved. I had a teacher, Sunday school teacher, was in college. Her name was Lucy Esch. You've heard me talk about Lucy. Lucy talked me about the things of God. First thing she taught me about God, she taught me about tithing. I said, what's that? She said, reach in your pocket. What do you got? And I pulled out a 10 and a 1 and a 5 and a 20. She said, I want you to put that 10, and I want you to put that 1 there. I said, okay. And she said, now I'm going to take this 1 right here. That's a tie. That's a tenth. She said, do you want to know how you have the provision of God in your life all the days of your life, and you never come short? You honor God always with your tithe. The first tenth goes to God because it's not yours. It belongs to him. From the time I was 19 years old till today, I've never missed giving at least 10% of my income to the Lord. And I've never stopped at 10%. And I'll tell you this. I have never, never, never been in want. I've been short, and I've been worried. And I've been desperate, but I've never been in want. God has always provided for us, for our household. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. I don't have to. It's supernatural. 
God says, you go do this, and I'm going to take care of That's your ark of safety. That's one of the arcs of safety you'll find in your life. When I first went to my first church, there was a guy there. You've heard me talk about him. It was Ansel. Ansel said, you know, Pastor, everybody in this church ties. I kind of laughed. I said, no, they don't. He said, oh, yeah, they do. Some of them bring it, and other ones, God goes and gets it. I had a 1970 Grand Prix, four-barrel. I mean, it would fly down the highway. It would go at least the speed limit. <laughs> guy in my church said, uh, how many miles you got on that car? I said, about 70,000. He said, uh, how many times you changed the brakes? I said, I've never changed the brakes. He said, well, you're probably running on the, on the rotors. So he brings a jack over, he jacks my car up, he looks at it, he said, how many miles you got on this car? I said, I think 70, and he, he gets in, he turns on the key, looks, sure, sure enough, 70,000 miles. He said, you don't even need brakes now. I was making $450 a month pastoring a church. I couldn't afford brakes, but I tithed every month $45. You explain it. Firstborn son was born premature, six weeks premature. He was in intensive care. He was not expected to live. They had him on a respirator. They said if he makes it, he'll, he'll have brain damage. He may be blind from the high and longevity of the, of the oxygen he's on. After insurance got done paying everything that they were going to pay, they delivered me a bill for $20,000. I just had to laugh. I mean, what are you going to do? You're making $450 a month. I went in and, and told them I could pay them um, $50 a month. And they kind of laughed at me, and I said, well, I only make $450. I, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it's going to take me, you know, a thousand years, but I'll, I'll pay this off, you know. But if you want him back, I mean, he's expensive. He, he's already proven that. He ain't no cheap kid. If it had been a girl, it cost twice as much, I'm sure. Amen? I didn't know what I was going to do. You said, well, you could have held that 45 back, and then you'd only need another five, and that way you just don't pay, you don't pay your tithe. But I kept paying my tithe and kept paying my $50. Miracles started happening. I was living in a little little apartment down in the seminary, and I'd drive up to my church, and there'd be money stuffed underneath my door. A guy'd walk up to me. I didn't even know him. Said, "I don't know. I know this sounds weird, but you know, I just felt like God wanted me to give you some money. Do you have a need in your life?" Got down to where I only owed ten thousand dollars. That's pretty good. In about three months. It would have been, you know, like 150 bucks if I'd have been paying on it. And the money stopped. Just stopped dead. Not, I couldn't find the nickel in a couch. God, what are you doing? I came home. Tammy was jumping around, acting all crazy. I said, what's going on? She said, what's the best news you could get right now? I said, the, the hospital bill's been paid for. She said, yes. I said, no, it hasn't. <laughs> you ever seen a miracle? No, God is not doing that right now. He didn't tell me in advance. He didn't warn me. Nothing going on here. I said, that can't be. I picked up the phone. I called the hospital. I said, uh, we were living in New Orleans at the time. And, and I called up and I said, uh, this is uh, Phil Hassenpeller. Uh, you know, my son, uh, you know, was in there. Oh, yes, I just talked to your wife earlier. And I said, how much do we owe on this hospital bill? She said, nothing. How much did we owe yesterday? She said, about $10,000. 
I said, what happened? She said, all I can tell you is it's been taken care of. I didn't make one single $50 payment to the hospital. God took care of all of it. My son grew up healthy. Eyes were fine. Solid. God took care of it. I can't explain it, but God has an ark of safety for us. Doesn't mean you don't have setbacks. Amen? Doesn't mean you don't have setbacks. Hey, I had to go through pure hell watching my son potentially die. It was the hardest thing we went through. They whisked him out of my wife's arms and took him down there. She didn't get to hold her baby. It was the hardest thing we went through at that time in our life. We'd only been married a little over a year. 20 years old, going through pure difficulty, financial, physical, turmoil, emotional. Doesn't mean when you trust God, doesn't mean life's going to always be easy. But I want you to know there's going to be an ark of safety. There's going to be protection in the storm. God's going to get you through. You may not know how. You may not know what it looks like, but God will give you the grace through the difficulties and the trials of life. He will get you through. Amen? That's why you follow God. That's why you serve God. Here's the second life application. God has a provision before you have a problem. God was lining people up before that birth to take care of all the problems. He just lining them up. Lining them up. I can't see them. I don't know who they are. He's just lining them up. They're walking up saying, can I help you? Can I pray for you? Can I minister to you? Can I encourage you? Can I be with you? Can I love you? Can I support you? God's sending, and if that's not enough, it, the Bible says in Hebrews, he sends ministering spirits, angels, to minister on your behalf. Sometimes you feel encouraged. You don't even know why. It might have been an angel just speaking in your ear, says, don't give up. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, and the road you're trudging is all uphill, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to the faint and faltering man who learned too late how close he was to the golden crown. When the funds are low and the debts are high, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Don't you quit because God's not quitting on you. Amen? Let's stand together. God, as we stand and we come before you right now in prayer, God, uh, you've spoken to some people today. I can see it in their eyes, God. Some people are going through some tough times. Some people are trying to, to figure out how they're going to do life and, and what you're up to and what you're doing and why difficulty comes in their life, God. But I want you to know, I want them to know right now by your spirit. Just speak to them, minister to them, God. Encourage them, Father. Let them find that ark of safety. Let them find that safe place in you, even, even if life takes a turn. Even if life takes a twist and goes in the wrong direction, God, just let them trust in you. Trust in you. As we just bow our heads, and I just want you to think about that right now. You're, some of you are going through some tough times, and you say, you know, Pastor, I just need, I need the encouragement of the Spirit of God. Would you just raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand. Thank you. God, just keep it up there a second. I just need some encouragement right now. God, every hand that's up right now, I want you to encourage these, these men and women, boys and girls right now. Just encourage them, God. I want you just to feel his presence, listen to his voice, that still small voice that just says, I've got this one. I've got this one. Now just thank him.
Just thank him. Thank you, God. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm trusting you. That's what it means to walk by faith. That's what it means. Okay, you can put your hand down. Father, as we, uh, as we move and navigate through life, I pray that you will lead every one of us, God, that you will bless us and your favor will be on us, God. Let us not look on the negative. Let us look on the positive. Let us see that, God, God, you don't get fixated with problems. You just move to solutions. You move to victory. You move to joy and happiness and peace, long-suffering, all those things, God, you move us in that. Would you just, every one of us right now, would you just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May the blessings of God be on you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be glorious to you in all that you do. May you feel the warmth of his hand. May you feel the joy of his spirit. May you know that his favor is on everything you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, God bless you. We will see you next time.